0: Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot. But check it out, it's growing fast. And I just wanna say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the ADAPT Initiative is the place to go. The ADAPT Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me. And it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. So go ahead.
1: Hey there, Jasmine. Um, So I need your advice about something. Uh, After I started to practice some CJ magic, uh, after watching your course, um, I started to get some pretty obsessive thoughts about, you know, because the, the whole idea of the sigil and charging the sigil and visualizing perhaps were the results that I want have have manifested, um, uh, got me a lot of obsessive paranoid thoughts about what if, uh, something that I don't want to manifest gets created especially regarding myself or my loved ones because you know if the logic is good for the positive stuff why it's not for the negative so it's like when I'm having sex or whatever is happening uh, I feel like I shouldn't think about that because then maybe it's my fasting I know it sounds really weird and it's probably very beginner but I wanted to hear what is your thoughts about that um, yeah, perhaps if you can. Help
0: yeah, uh, the whole point of the sigil is to do it in such a way that it is removed from your conscious awareness, and you are not doing what you were currently doing, which is overthinking it. So the whole point of um, sigils is that you do them in such a way that you forget why you did them, and that you move on and completely forget that you even did them in the first place. Peter Carroll makes a really good and underappreciated point in his book Cybermagic, where he says the real abyss. Is not some metaphysical construction from Thelema, but you know the three things that every magician must overcome are obsession, paranoia and solipsism. And I totally agree with them. Obsession is straightforward. I mean, like we all know obsessed magicians, um, but it also means obsessive thoughts, which, you know, obsession um, presupposes that you don't have control over what you're thinking about, right? Um, and that's bad. The whole point of magic is to be able to control your thoughts. Um, so if you if you are are compelled to think about something over and over again and obsess over it, you need to rein in your mind. Uh, second is paranoia and thinking everyone's out to get you and all this, and it's hard not to do these days. I get it, because as William Burroughs pointed out, you know, just because you're just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Or uh, he might he might have said something different. You know, it's not whether you're paranoid, it's whether you're paranoid enough. I think that's what he said. But paranoia is a a, a fetter of paranoia will hold you back. And uh, it prevents you from, from trusting people, which is what you need to do in order to love people fully. It's a bad, bad deal. And finally, solipsism is simply thinking that the entire world revolves around you, which um, uh, particularly uh, more advanced, technically advanced magicians are at great danger of. Um, uh, It's the same with yogis, like people who get to experience a Um, higher spiritual states and things like this there's a great danger of solipsism and thinking that for instance the entire world is in their head and nobody else exists that's a great um slip so um yeah these are uh, uh uh issues which arise along the magical path and which must be confronted and overcome so in that sense it's good that you see them and recognize them that's very healthy um in terms of the sigil process the sigil process must be you should revisit the sigil process and think more clearly about how you can perform sigils in such a way that they are deeply embedded without you knowing what they were done for and that afterwards you banish properly, which is what I highly recommend in general in your case, banish properly, and that can mean formal banishing rituals like the LBRP, but it also means banish with laughter. Don't take it so damn seriously and don't take yourself so seriously. Just laugh it off and move on with your life. Because at the end of the day, it's just crazy Dungeons and Dragons stuff from the internet. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, really, like, you know, like, like, this is the the, the great pitfall in magic is taking yourself too seriously. Because it's, it's crazy shit. Okay. And it's like, you know, nobody in society knows what the hell you're talking about. And if you go around, you know, claiming magical status in the real world, people will quickly lock you up. So don't, you know, Um, (laughs) so. um you know, I, the, the best magicians are those who can laugh at themselves. And you'd be surprised how few can. And that's always been the case. So I don't know if that's helpful. But I think that uh, in general, my, my prescription is this number one, banish, do some formal banishing LBRP and banish with laughter, laugh it off and don't take it so seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. Uh, as I always tell people, Lord Beelzebrox is not going to appear from the 27th circle of hell to claim your left, left testicle. It's not going to happen. Um, and uh, it's just your own mind you're dealing with. It's not like dark forces. Second, particularly with sigils, right? Because they're self created. Second, um, you should re- revisit the, um, you, you go back to your records and think more clearly about your ritual process and you need to better construct your rituals in a sense that you are banishing first and banishing afterwards, that's number one. Number two is you need to get into a deeper state of gnosis so that you're working at a lower strata of consciousness, non-conscious. Number three, you need to formulate your sigils in such a way that you don't remember what they are for, and the best way to do that is usually to make a bunch of them, leave them in a box and put them on, like make, like let's say 20 sigils or even 10, put them in a box and stick them on the top of your bookshelf for like two months and then get them down and do rituals for them when you don't remember what the fuck they were for. Right. So that's always helpful. Um, the third is, and then third, uh, the, the, the third is to practice, to, to learn how to let it go afterwards. Like stop thinking, like basically a, a properly done, the, the only trace that a ritual has ever been done should be the entry within your record, um, which you then you might go back to a year or two later. But other than that, if you're thinking about the ritual, if you're thinking about and particularly if you're thinking about the intention of the sigil afterwards, um, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it wrong, you need to do it in such a way that you're not mentally belaboring it over it. Like the sigil must there must be a sense of during the ritual, there must be a sense of completion, that the thing has worked, and it's hard to convey how you get that because it's different for everyone. But usually there's a sense that it's like, you know, the, the sense that like, you know, this work is done. This house is clean. That type, There's just like a click that happens and it's hard to describe and it's probably different for everyone. But the ritual should be done to the point where you're not, it's not that you're not a, you, you, you have a sense of of certainty that, some, that it has occurred. It has been released, right? Like it has been released into the ether and the work is done right? And it's just, a, it's just a nonverbal sense. And it comes with practice, it comes with experience. Finally, um, but 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 not not finally, on that point, you, you leave the sigil in the ritual, it's like the ritual is the ritual, when the ritual is over, and you banish, leave the work there. It's like, don't bring the work home with you, leave the office at the office. And so I tell people, it's like people have this conception that they are magicians and they are becoming higher grade magicians and things like that. That is not the case. Magician is not a role. it's not a job title. Magician is a well, it's a role it, well, let me rephrase this. Magician is not an identity. It is not badges attached to your existence in this world. Magician is a role that you play while you are doing rituals. When you are not doing the rituals. You are not that person any longer, right? In the same way that janitor would be a role that you were performing if you were sweeping floors. You would be a janitor because you're performing the role of janitor. But once you take off the janitor's uniform, put down the broom and go home to have dinner, you're, totally, you're performing a totally different role. And in the same way that you wouldn't sit down to have dinner with your wife and kids and start mopping the table you know, with simple green, uh, you know, it's like, that would be it would be just as inappropriate to like, let your magical persona bleed into your other pursuits, right? It's like the magician belongs the the, the you're a magician when you are doing magic, when you are not doing magic, you are not a magician, you're just you or you're whatever other role you're performing. So so take, you know, when you put on the robe, you're a magician 100% you are that person, right? To the hilt. Do you see me fucking wearing a robe right now? Like, no, I'm playing in the teacher role. It's a totally different role. Um, But when I put that robe on, you better believe that I am fraud or so-and-so of such-and-such degree with such-and-such accomplishments and control and say over such-and-such, right? Like, I am that guy, but I'm not right now because that person only exists within the context of the ritual. And it's the same for anything else. And if you studied with me long enough you've probably seen me put on and take off all kinds of different masks and rolls um because eventually you, you get to the point where you don't need the physical props but physical props help because they, they keep it the psychological separation and that's the critical point it's like leave it in the containment chamber when the ritual is over you should have a done it The ritual should f- function almost at the level of your nonverbal consciousness unconscious, right, it's a totally fucking weird place. And, um, you know, ceremonial magic is sometimes quite guilty of keeping people out of it almost because it makes it too logical. Um, Chaos magic is very good at putting people in a totally instinctual, bizarro mirror world um, state of consciousness, which is the magical state of consciousness from which magic is done, and from which there are no rules. Like, we can talk about Enochian until the cows come home, and it's fascinating because it's endless computer diagrams of how reality uh, works, but the raw magical trance, the raw magical act is performed from the fucking void of chaos, right? Like Kia, as Spare put it, it's just like the... You know, there's obviously no way to contextualize it, but if you know it, you know it, right? Uh, shamanism is much closer to that state. Um, and and, and the, the accoutrement of shamanism and all that will... will show you the way to that state right unless you turn it into its own codified system which was never the point but when the ritual is done the ritual is done do the banishing ritual take off the robe and transition to the rest of your life and leave the and if you're thinking about the ritual in the rest of your day if it's bleeding over into the rest of your life you need to better assess your methods And that means primarily better banishing, better compartmentalizing of the ritual persona and um, contextualizing the sigil in such a way that you don't actually know what you're doing the magic for at a conscious level. That's the best way to do it. But leave the magician in the magician's circle and don't let it bleed over to the rest of your life. If it comes into your mind, forcefully push it out until it becomes a reflex. No, that's not what I'm thinking about right now. I'm thinking about spreadsheets. Are you the master of your mind or or aren't you? Right. That doesn't mean being some great high yogi on a mountain. It means, as other people have put it, being able to choose what thought you have when you want to have that thought. And it also means being able to choosing what role you are currently playing in society when you so choose to and being in control instead of being out of control. This is magic. It's not the path of mysticism. The path of mysticism is the path of total surrender, doing 18,000 drugs and becoming an acid casualty that follows fish around the world. Uh, bad plan, man. But hey, it works for some people. The path of the mystic is to accept everything, and, and that does become important at a certain level of magic. But magic is the path of control. To get it straight. You know, the, the magic, magician card in the tarot represents the path of absolute control over one circumstances so if you're a magician either you can keep shit wired down or you can't this is one of the great you know people talk about the dangers of magic what's the danger of magic the danger of magic is you can't claim to be a victim anymore if you put on the wizard's robe and take up the wand and things don't go well in your life well guess you didn't have your shit wired down right it's not like oh well this happened and then that happened and this external circumstances like Nuh-uh. And if you hear that coming out of your mouth, as I often do out of mine, you have to take a step back and say like, okay, all right. Oh, I thought you were a great wizard uh, manifesting all phenomenon. Well, even if a phenomenon appeared that is caused external to you, you have and you must have total control over your response and your reaction to it in a creative way that maximizes your freedom and maximizes your ability to express your true will in this transitory bardo of existence that we find ourselves in, right? So the danger of magic is you don't get to whine anymore. And I'm giving myself advice. much. It's not advice. I'm like, I'm telling this to myself just as much as everyone else, because we're also all human. And it's very easy to slip back into the state of feeling that you are uh, on the receiving end rather than the state of at the very least, at the very, very least, controlling your own mind.
1: That's really powerful advice, Jenson. It? it resonates with me. And I I feel like uh, outside of the sigil and what I'm doing, when I'm doing a ritual, whatever, it, it's mostly it's somehow related to the binding of the opposites that you talked about in the Alchemy of Chaos, because mm. These obsessive talks arise when I actually get or feel like I, I have what I wanted. And it's kind of like the opposite talk. It's like, oh, what if I lose it? And what Ooh. if this happened and I lose it? And whatever, I'm so happy. And what if I lose it? And it's like, I'm really struggling with that because I feel like my my talk, my rational talk from watching the cards doesn't magic Done me is, uh, okay, if this visualization, what I'm doing with my mind works for X, uh, works for the positive, when I get an obs a talk that I don't want, it doesn't mean that I'm manifesting that thing that I don't want to have. And then I say, okay, fuck that talk. Uh, but this, of course, makes it come back even more. And yeah. I just want to it up does this fear is based on something real? Like if I have an obsessive dog and I get some shit like, oh, I don't, wanna, I don't want this to happen. And that thing comes over and over. Is this making that thing more probable to happen? Or is just uh, some weird paranoid shit?
0: Do you want me to make this this real simple for you? Yeah. Okay, so basically what you're describing is the nature of the mind, right? That That is the nature of the mind. It's also the nature of manifest existence, where everything, quote, unquote, under the abyss, meaning everything within material existence, everything in the world manifests as, 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 uh, dual opposites, right? Like every fucking, you know, sophomore knows this, or it's, or it's, it's, uh, you know, can't have light without dark, can't have good without evil, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and actually, n- none of that's true. It's just that the human mind perceives the world that way. So. Uh, let's just talk about it in terms of the nature of the mind. The, the, the mind perceives everything as opposites. This is the core thesis of the Buddha. The Buddha basically says the mind only can, the, your mind can only do two things. It can attach to something or it, it, attachment and aversion, right? So your mind is constantly, constantly in the process of craving things. And those could be material things. They could be uh, ideas, thoughts, people, visions, whatever. It, literally anything on any plane of existence your mind is constantly your monkey mind, right, your conscious mind is essentially a discriminatory engine that is you evolved in order to keep you alive, right? So the primary function of the conscious mind uh, is this, it's, should I eat that berry or not? Should I go into that field where there might be a bear or not? Should I, um, you know, look for, should I forage for food in this area, or not. And and that is literally an animal function. The thing that makes human beings crazy is that they then use this conscious animal function to try and understand all the way up past differential differential calculus into understanding the entire cosmos, right? And it's just not a very, uh, it's not a very um, sophisticated thing, right? And so the whole point, and also since our the mind can only, the, the mind is binary, it will only say yes or no, crave, it will only do craving and aversion. And since all things are manifest as dualities, therefore, there are equally good reasons to both crave and uh, if for any phenomenon in existence, right, so hear me carefully, for any phenomenon whatsoever, there are equal and perhaps, perhaps equal and opposite reasons to both crave and have aversion for right so a more more basic way to put that would be like oh like you know somebody wants to find a husband right well it's like they're craving having a husband well then they get the husband and God damn it, why can't you clean this? Why can't you do that? Why can't you, you know, ah, oh, like, you know, like, you're not who I want you to be. Now they have aversion and they get divorced, right? So there's, but there's equally, re, there's equal reasons to crave and have aversions with that to aversion to that person. That's a real basic one. But even like, you know, any job you've ever gotten, you really wanted, then you got it and there were good, but then there were things you didn't like about it. So everything, you know, I'm just being real basic here. But for any phenomenon in existence whatsoever, there are equal and perhaps opposite reasons to both crave and reject that phenomenon. That is is samsara. That is the nature of the first noble truth. The mind is only capable of craving and having aversion. So the mind itself is an engine of duality. The reason that everything is in these seemingly maddening pairs of duality is that that is the nature of manifestation in order to manifest something must be um, both it must take on dual form below the abyss for instance binary code if you can represent the entirety of everything digitally with ones and zeros all that that's do that's not a clever human trick all that that's demonstrating is the nature of existence below the abyss right? So, um, so here's the question, right? So how does this apply to human beings when they're attempting to get goals done? Right? So it's like, well, let's say, let's say you want $10,000. Okay, well, there's equally, you know, well, okay, so you do, you you undertake, I'm not even talking about rituals, you undertake actions to get $10,000. But then you start to worry about, well, what am I going to have to do to get $10,000? Like, am I going to have to break my ethical code? Am I going to have to uh, let's, say, let's say you have a goal to get $10,000 in one week, right? And you don't you don't know how you're going to get it. Okay, well, you go about actions in order to get $10,000. But then you say to yourself, well, shit, I mean, what am I going to have to do? That's a lot of money real quick. Maybe I'm going to have to do work that I don't like. Maybe I'm going to have to break my ethical code. What if, what if, what if, what if? <coughs> so you do what every human being has done since the beginning of recorded consciousness, which is you confront a door that you want to go through and then you push and pull it at the same time. Such is the nature of the human condition, as everyone has observed since we first, um, you know, drew a deer with shit on the wall as cavemen or whatever was. fuck it was we did back then. Um, it, all human beings are constantly in the process of pushing and pulling doors all the time. It is hilarious. It is, maddening it is sickening it is frustrating it wastes so much effort and it it, it eventually it just runs out and you die right such is the noble truth of the the buddha the, the the nature of samsara right so the buddhist answer would be well simply meditate on the nature of the mind until you relinquish go to a meta level go to a meta level and look at the tendencies of craving and aversion themselves in the mind right so this is the whole point of the buddha it's like stop thinking about the objects that's samsara that's maya like it's like it doesn't matter what you have craving or aversion for what matters is that you have craving and aversion at all and that that is the nature of the mind and that this craving aversion pattern has been carrying through and through an entire maddening career in this existence and prior to that probably for lots more lifetimes prior and you're just on this roller coaster ride that you can't get off and frankly it doesn't matter what you're craving or having aversions from because all conscious human beings are caught up in this same fucked up roller coaster this is the point of the buddha it's like it doesn't matter like literally it's like what the hell like look at yourselves you're all asleep because your mind is yanking you this way and that in this zigzag pattern it has been since the dawn conception of your consciousness, however far back that was. So it doesn't matter what, what the object is. So go to a meta level, look at your mind, looking at the look at the craving and aversion tendencies. And this is the point of meditation, sit with those tendencies, just sit and observe your mind, because they're so deeply embedded that they happen automatically, right? So you don't need to do them consciously just sit and watch your mind. It's like, if you sit quietly, like your mind will, will alight upon thought after thought, desire after desire, cons- you know, a hallucination after hallucination, and just sit and observe that fucking monkey mind as it either craves or, or try, as it tries to either go towards or get away each of these phenomenon. Yes, even when your eyes are closed, even when it's just thoughts that come into your mind, not even external objects in the world, just thoughts, memories, recollections, that come into your mind, ideas, thoughts, oh, I should do this, oh, I shouldn't do that. Why did I do that? Why did I say that that one time? All of that shit, it will just randomly pop into your mind of its own accord, and your mind will automatically attach a meaning to it, and and you will feel it. It's not your brain, it's your entire body, your entire physical sensations will either begin to crave that, will either crave or have aversion for it, and that's all your mind can do. And so you simply sit with it and let it do its thing until you see through it and you realize that you, you see it for what it is. And what it is, is just another bodily organ. It's like an appendix. It's like a liver. It's like a hand, right? It doesn't have any claim to ontological truth. It is not you. The voice in your head, which is constantly judging things, saying that they're either good or bad, is not you, right? It is just another bodily function. It is the ape of thought, right? It's not you. When you see through it and you see it for what it is, then you can say, "Oh my God, I thought my GPS was me." And frankly, my GPS is pretty shitty, anyways, right? No, it's not. It's just another thing you have. It's just another sensory organ. Well, shit, what am I then? Well, find out in the great vast silence beyond language, because language is not possible. You know, language is language is a construction of that mind. Nothing of that mind is capable of perceiving truth. It's like a shitty microscope that you found at uh, the goodwill. It's not capable. It's like, that, that's the thing that the philosophers, scientists, all these people have never figured out. Now, some have, certainly, which is that it, it, hum, human beings are only, well, actually, no, I take this back. They're all aware of it. But, but you know, people forget it day to day, which is that human beings are only capable of perceiving reality to the limit of their own perceptual faculties and our perceptual faculties are real ghetto right and and all that we can truly perceive is the contours and shape of our own senses we can not perceive reality uh, so yeah read the buddha read ludwig wittgenstein you know the Tractatus of wittgenstein he lays this out very clearly or kant or or um um bishop barclay or schilling or, or, or any of the german idealists or or anyone. I mean, so I take it back. This is, or Plato. So I take it back. Actually, this is the central question of all philosophy, science, <laughs> and religion. So I said the I said the exact opposite of the truth, a very um, post-epistle thing to do. So um, in terms of things manifesting as their opposite, and therefore the opposite. So in a practical sense, you can't, and this is the whole point about binding opposites, you cannot invoke something without invoking its opposite, because they're binded together, and your mind's going to do its fucking monkey dance anyways. So long way of saying, the point of sigils is a hack. It is a dirty, greasy hack, to be to quote the trailer park boys, it is a dirty, greasy hack of the mind. The whole point of the sigil is that your desire is no longer conceptualized as in a linguistic form, your desire is no longer conceptualized in such a way that your mind can even get hold of it and do this dance around it, because your mind will inevitably do that. And the reason that most people don't succeed very much in life is because they do exactly what you're talking about, because they approach it totally from the conscious mind. So the dirty, greasy hack is that you conceptualize your desire in such a way that you don't know what the fuck it is. It's like a weird phrase. It's a weird symbol. You don't know what the fuck it is. And then, But you have to do it in such a way that you forget what it was. So so that's where where leaving it for a while first is good. Um, And then when you have the representation of the thing that you don't know what it's for, then you put 100% of your will and effort into it. And your brain has nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go from that. You can't like, uh, what was this for? I don't know. Your unconscious remembers. But your conscious mind doesn't. And so your conscious mind has nowhere to go. It has no surface to attach to. Therefore, the sigil is embedded deeply within your unconscious, where it is planted as a seed and then grows and manifests of its own accord. And by the time it manifests, uh, you probably won't even remember that you did anything at all to do that. And it will just seem like, oh, whoa, that's cool. Right? Like it'll just show up and you'll have no recollection of ever having done anything to do that. That's how real magic is done. And that is the mechanism of it, which is it is a way of embedding desires. In the non-linguistic unconscious mind, where it they are safe from and firewalled off from the inherent destructive capability of the conscious mind, right? Because that's just the nature of the conscious mind. So this is the dirty, greasy nature of magic, right? (laughs) Or it's like mystics, Buddhists would be like, Well, no, you must meditate for 30, 40 years until you have no thoughts. Sure, you can do that. Absolutely. Or you can just be dirty and greasy and just do the sigil now and get the results you want now. Do both. That's what I recommend. But that's the whole—that's the whole um, mechanism of sigils. It's cool. to get around what you're describing.
1: Um, nice. No, it's, it's totally clear. Like already from the course, I think I'm. The more I'm practicing it, the, the more it's getting clearer. Uh, what you said.
0: Uh, so yeah, very helpful. Uh, I still have. Well, remember, uh, not to interrupt, but remember, it's like, yeah. um, what do they say about practice makes what? Uh, okay, I'm I'm not a, from the
1: U.S., so I don't know. The okay. Same.
0: <laughs> so, have you, have you, Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So have you heard have you heard the phrase practice makes perfect?
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. I was guessing. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. Also like so, um, a year, so you know, <laughs> my brain is not uh, so functioning.
0: Perfect. You're from Miami, is that what you said? No, I'm from Italy. Oh, from Italy! Oh, lovely. Okay, yeah. Great. yeah. <laughs> my 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 ancestors are from from my my ancestors. Uh, the Lombards uh, conquered Italy and the post Roman Empire. They were all snake uh, rune rune magicians, snake worshippers. True story. And they uh, they came down from uh, the the they were Viking tribes that came down, converted from worshiping from the Vainir to worshiping the Aesir, Thor and Odin, conquered the northern part of Italy, which is, you know, now Lombardy, obviously, and uh, then moved on to Germany and and settled uh, in Bavaria, where they became a very um unliked political party in the early part of the 20th century. But uh, they uh, also, so, so but part of my ancestors are from there, apart from Sicily. So anyways, a bit of trivia. Um, this is meaningless, and I should stop talking about myself. So um, <laughs> well, the, uh, but that may mean that I'm related to Marco Salvini, by the way. Anyways, um, uh, the what well, fuck? See, I shouldn't have fucking gone on a tangent. Okay, so they say, as they say, practice makes perfect, right? Do you agree with this? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's not true, though. However, ah, perfect, absolutely. perfect, perfect practice makes perfect, right? If you practice something, uh. 10,000 times, or 20,000 times, whatever, uh, you will get good at doing that. So if you practice wrong, for 10 years, you will be perfectly good at doing the wrong thing. So this is what I mean about ritual construction. So make sure and if you want to go back to the course, uh, I recommend it. But make sure that you have your ritual schema wired down tight. Uh, so that it is not bleeding over into other parts of your life. And that means the following things, better banishing, better um, um, uh, sigil construction, deeper gnosis, and in general, uh, more meditation practice.
1: Awesome, yeah. Um, As I said, it's more outside of the sigil and stuff, because it's more related to... Like, you know, I did CJ for whatever more personal reasons, but it's more our business reason and things. But it's more about the stuff that I deeply care about that I get concerned about. I don't know how to express it without getting too personal here. But um, yeah, I think on a deep level, and that's one question related to that, I don't want to take it too long. But I was just wondering, and probably the answer is yes, They all cast Magic. I actually have a book from Peter Carroll here uh, that my question is, can I even make a sigil or whatever ritual to feel more safe? Because I grew up in a sure. place with a lot of crime and I had some tough experiences that I'm grateful for because it made me more tough as a person, more... They were in my path, I believe. But how and in which way uh, can I even make a sigil or whatever ritual? What would you suggest? Because I, I feel like on a deep level, I don't feel safe. Uh, also.
0: Yeah. 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 This is great. I mean, um, well, I'll tell you what, let me caveat by saying I'm going to answer quickly because I'm running out of steam. There's one more person with a question, and I have very, like, a few minutes to answer it. Uh, uh, she raised her hand like way late into the call, but I do want to um, address the question. So I'm not going to take too long on this because it's a second question. That said, um, there's something that I say in the Alchemy of Chaos, which is that I think um, there's something that has been very helpful for me is the coming to the realization that one way that I would like to conceptualize an important aspect of spiritual maturity is as the following, right? And this is, again, like, you know... Look, I'm not the fucking I wear a white robe guy. I'm like the you, you get what you see guy. Grew up playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I swear I talk about Trailer Park Boys. I am not anything that I claim not to be. I'm just a dude. Like, I have like weird obsessions. I rant on Instagram. I'm super pro Second Amendment, like all this stuff. I'm not fucking Ram Dass okay? I'm just a dude, like someone you would meet in your life. So, um, but i'll say this because i think that but this is the state that i wish to model for people because it would be so easy for me to pretend to be something that i'm not and put on the costume of what people think a spiritual teacher is like and lie to people lie to people because why because one there is no such thing as an as a final spiritual state or a person that transcends, like, like we we all had to get toilet trained, okay. Hopefully, I hope that applies to all of you, right? Like, let's be real, and uh, we're all gonna lose it at some point in a nursing home, right? Or if we're lucky enough to get that far, so let let's not get high and mighty about stuff. Um, the uh, um, it would be so easy to do that and essentially present myself as this idea of what people think a spiritual person is like and therefore allow them to project that onto me. Uh, I'm not in any danger whether I try or not of people mistaking me for some spiritual, spiritually enlightened person. I'm not in any danger of that. Like my car is duct taped together. Okay. It's like held, literally held together with duct tape. That's not a metaphor. I literally drive a car held together with duct tape. So, (laughs) so, um, the But this is I do this on purpose. Um, in that uh, I, I just try to it's like I just I want to be present myself as I am with my set of neuroses problems. And because I'm it's, it's honest, right? It's honest. Like there are many places in my life where I've been able to do things that are pretty cool that I would like to teach other people how to do, right? There's lots of places in my life where you wouldn't want to be in my shoes, believe you me, right? And, and those are created by my own decisions um uh you know but 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 you know that and that even that is not dramatic right it's just that like the point is is that i'm struggling with this with this existence just like all of you it's like i'm trying to figure it out and it's one day at a time all of that but there are some things that i have figured out that i would like to share and hopefully they're of help okay and and but and that cuts to a deeper point which is that to completely it's not even about as Trungpa put it, cutting through spiritual materialism, it's just to make it very fucking clear, as clear as I can possibly make it, that magic and spirituality are not something you are. They are something you do, right? As we were put, as I was putting it earlier, when you are doing magic, you are a magician, just like when you are golfing, you are a golfer. But if you have dinner with your wife and kids and start trying to knock glasses off the table, uh, with a golf club, you're not you, you're not a, a Jack Nicklaus. You're a Dick, right? It's like it's that simple. It's it's a, a descriptor of an activity. So um, and it's really easy to forget this. The angels say the same thing in Dean Kelly's diaries, right? It's like and, and conversely, you cannot rely on your own innate whatever, sparkliness, as so many people do. They just say, well, I live my life as magic. I'm just a magical person. The universe just loves me. Yeah, okay, because I saw you <laughs> Really? Because you were working at Jamba Juice one month ago, and now you're unemployed because you're following fish around on tour. Good luck with that. So um I just need to make this very clear to people because as soon as you turn it into something about personal status and identity, you, you're, you've slipped. Um, so, and and I I feel that if one is to teach, one takes on 10 times the responsibility as a practitioner and the responsibility is largely to model, um, appropriately to people because I am not anybody's idea of a role model. Although I am good at some things, I feel that it is the most responsible thing to simply present myself as I am. Right, like I'm laying in bed. I have a sprained ankle. I got blood taken out of my arm, et cetera. So um, it's 2020. Like you know, <laughs> I got shit in boxes. It's my car is held together with duct tape. It's crazy, but I am very good at certain things. Okay, um, safeness. So I express in Alchemy of Chaos that what I would like, I what I consider to be an extremely worthwhile goal along the spiritual path is not any of this highfalutin spiritual nonsense. It is simply this, to become the person that you needed to keep you safe when you were vulnerable, right? Whether it was when you were a child or as an adult. Many, if not all of us have had the experience of being vulnerable and hurt and afraid and nobody was there to help us. And for some people, that experience comes earlier than others. Uh, but that is a, you know, we all react to that moment differently. And you know, it also depends on the severity of the incident. It sounds like, you know, you you had, it, it, we're talking about real violence in your case, right? So let's talk about that. Um, that moment when it comes, when you feel that nobody has your back uh, is is not just upsetting and anxiety inducing it also undermines the sense that the universe works right so also like right now like i'm in la right now like i feel that way right now (laughs) right like i felt this way when after covid when everything shut down and then and then it was suddenly there's writing everywhere everything's boarded up Um, you know, America is collapsing into, um, certainly California is collapsing into chaos and lawlessness. So um, this is the world we're all entering. We're in an unsafe world. So so make no bones about it. I don't, you can't just decide to be safe anymore, because we live in an unsafe time and an unsafe world where things are collapsing. And there are people who mean us harm, whether they are white-collar, Uh, criminals, uh, the Jeff Bezos of the world, or uh, people lurking on the street corner, uh, as there are many of here. So, you know, it's like, there's a lot, you should see LA, it is fucking crazy. It is fucking crazy. I got chased by a guy growling like a tiger the other day, I went out the other day. It's madness. And I don't know what Italy is like, but uh, it's probably not great, right? And, you know, those parts of it probably have not Mm -hmm. been great in general. So I I say this, which is an important part of spiritual maturity is become the person that you needed, become the person you needed as a child, whether it was to keep you safe or to, here's another good one, whether it was not just to keep you safe, but become the person that you needed at that time to accept you for who you are. Become the person who you needed, whether it was at age seven, 17, 27, or 70, become the person that you needed. You needed a person to say, you're okay just as you are, and you just do you. You're okay. I like your ideas about things. I wish, you know, it's like, like D- do that. Like, I have faith in you. A lot of us didn't have that person right or or didn't some sometimes and other times didn't so so become that person now does it suck that you have to become that person uh sure but this is earth so um this is so so this is my my thoughts on this and i will say that um the the the, the ritual to become safe is to become confident in your day-to-day life you know the ritual to become safe is to become capable of making yourself safe and there's a lot of levels of that there's economic there's physical there's self-defense there's mentally there's all of that and, and frankly you know and, and I'll, I'll offer this literally this is the entire point of alchemy of chaos alchemy of chaos is an entire is a huge ritual designed to make you safe uh so that is so i don't want to be so you know direct and glib but uh Take the alchemy of chaos because it's literally all there from self-defense to economic security, and it's all—it um, is all um, tailored for t- post-post-COVID reality, you know, post-onset of COVID onward. Because we don't live in a safe world, and so there's a lot of stuff that you're going to need to need to do to keep yourself and the people that you love safe, and that's going to require letting go of a lot of assumptions and adopting a lot of things and learning about a lot of things that may or may not make you uncomfortable depending on what they are. So, um, yeah, take alchemy of chaos. But in general, I will say the principle is this. Um, assess where you do not feel safe. Why, well, why don't I feel safe? Okay, well, what are the skills that you need so that you do feel safe there, right? So, I mean, I spend, uh, I not to give too much away, but I spend something like, uh, I've spent something like between 15 to 25 hours a week, every week for the last two years uh, learning uh, uh, self-defense in all kinds of different ways. It's because I need it. It's because I live in LA in 2020. And just like me, you live in the world in 2020. So you might want to look into it. <laughs> that's my approach. Maybe it works for you. Maybe it doesn't. Okay. The bottom line is economic, right?
1: That That's really, really cool, Justin. Thank you for the advice. Because I was, like, I was already doing it uh, subconsciously per se. Because... Uh, When I was a kid, my biggest motivation was to get out of here. And that's why I started studying really hard to get into a good university. And now, with my business, that's also one of the basic motivations why I work hard. I was doing it subconsciously. And like this clarity is helping me out. Like I was doing self defense, I was doing MMA, all of these things. Oh, cool. Uh, Assaulted uh, another time. And I felt a little bit like I was doing it out of insecurity. But at the same time, it fucking makes sense because it's just uh, yeah is what it is. Like on a deep level, you feel like, okay, I can handle it, <laughs> and yeah,
0: yeah. All those people who say like, oh, like, are you insecure? Like, you know, like, fuck those people. If shit gets real, they will be at your front door.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's no, no. bullshit. That's bullshit. Makes
1: that's, sense. Yeah. I, still, I still had a little bit of doubt about that, of, but yeah. After after you said it, I was like, oh, fuck, that makes totally sense. Mm, here, um. Yeah, lots of poverty. I'm from Sicily. Um, You're from Sicily. Yeah, I don't want like you know the stereotype. Maybe we're related.
0: <laughs> it could be. I don't know. I'm a fourth peer. I'm a fourth peer Sicilian. My grandmother uh, was Sicilian. You know, like,
1: uh, yeah. you know the stereotype about Sicily. and it's not about that. Like, you know, if you are a tourist, it's super safe here, and in general life is pretty safe. But there is a lot of poverty and people that are completely crazy. They don't they cannot think they live in the in the sympathetic system all the time because they their basic need is not there. So you know the maslow pyramid is not met.
0: So it's like that's they, gonna be a lot of people. And, yeah. and one thing that people need to understand is um right now we live in a civil society because because people's needs are taken care of more or less for them to at least some degree by the system. But if the system collapses, there's going to be a lot of people who whose needs are not being met. And this idea that there's good and bad people, mm, not really. Um, history shows that if people stop being able to eat, uh, they will do uh, nearly anything. Just imagine you're somewhere and there's like no one can eat and somebody has a kid and their wife is screaming at them, "Do we? this child needs food. Uh, do something to get food. Well, I don't have a job. There's no jobs. I can't get any money. I've been looking for work. Well, I don't care. Do something. Figure it out and don't come back to this house until you do. Because this child is screaming in the corner. Be out of hunger pangs. What would you do and what would you be capable of in that situation?
1: Yeah, no, it's so true because yeah. like after, like, I told you after again, I got us and all this stuff, I rationalize that by realizing this like what as you said like if i were in that situation i would probably act in a similar way
0: or the same yeah. it's not now, now imagine if it's 98 percent of the planet
1: yeah um anyhow i wanted to join alchemy of chaos after the adapt initiative you told me about it our after two weeks no a month ago but it was really unclear. Like after you just said today, it, what it wasn't clear to me was that in the FAQ there is still written that it's not the subsequent course. So it was really confusing. Uh, and yeah, like, that's oh, my fault.
0: I, I didn't communicate. Uh, I, did, I did not communicate yeah. that appropriately. It's because we were we had, were so sleep deprived uh, when we were doing it, and we had just been through the COVID happening. Uh, I, and, and also, as I said prior, became more clear what it was as it manifested. So it is the next course and I will change that. You should take it for everything that you're saying.